Let's stand and praise the King of Kings. As you can see, we're a little thin up here on the stage. So let's worship him and praise him and glorify him for who he is and how great he is. He's a mighty God, wonderful in all his ways. Father God, I, I, I invite you in this place right now. As we stand here, we're coming from all different walks of life. We're coming from all different areas and what we've been going through and all the, the troubles and worries of the week and of the of the of work and school and kids and family and all the things that that take take our attention father but lord you are the one that we love our whole life is for you father you're the hub you're the center of who we are oh, yeah. so we're going to worship and praise you this morning father and glorify your holy name for you're worthy father When darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know And I won't be shaken And I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Shame no longer has a place to hide. I am not captive to your lies. I'm not afraid to leave my past behind. And I won't be shaken. And I won't be shaken. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's power that can break off every chain. And there's power that can empty out a grave. There's a resurrection power that can save. Oh, there's power in your name. Power in your name. Oh, there's power that can break off every chain. There's power that can empty out a grave. There's a resurrection power that can save. Oh, there's power in your name. Power in your name Cause my, my fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love Oh, I'm standing in your love Oh, there's power that can break off every chain. Oh, there's power that can empty out a grave. 
There's a resurrection power that can save. Oh, there's power in your name. Power in your name. Oh, there's power that can break off every chain. There's power that can empty out a grave. There's a resurrection power that can save. Oh, there's power in your name. Power in your name. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. I'm standing in your love. Oh, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Aren't you glad that you serve a God that's more powerful than anything and everything? Amen. Into the room, everything changes. Darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring. Because when you walk into the room, every heart starts burning. Nothing matters more than just to sit here at your feet and worship you. And worship you, my Lord. When you walk into the room, everything changes. The darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring. When you walk into the room, every heart starts burning. Nothing matters more than just to sit here at your feet and worship you. Oh, yeah, we worship you, my Lord. Because we love you and we'll never stop. We can't live without you, Jesus, we love you. We can't get enough, all this is for you, Jesus. When you walk into the room, sickness starts to vanish. Every hopeless situation ceases to exist. Cause when you walk into the room, all the dead began to rise. Cause there is resurrection life in all you do. Oh, Cause we 
without you, Jesus. We love you. We can't get enough. All this is for you, Jesus. We love you. Oh, we can't get enough. All this is for you, Jesus. Oh, oh, oh yeah. We love you, Lord. Come and consume God. All we are, give you permission. Hearts are yours, we want you, we want you, come and consume God, all we are, we give you permission, our hearts are yours, we want you, we want you. Can we lift our voices and make that a prayer this morning? Come and consume God, all we are, we give you permission, our hearts are yours, we want you. We want you Come and consume God All we are We give you permission Our hearts are yours We want you We want you Come and consume God All we are We give you permission Our hearts are yours We want you We want you Father, right now, right where we're at, Father, come. We give you permission. Come and invade our space. Invade our space, Father. We tear down every wall. We tear down everything that would obstruct us from getting close to you, Father. The sin in our hearts. God, that we haven't repented of, Father, we lay it before you, Father, and say, Lord, burn it up. God, because it separates us from you. Come and consume it. Come and consume it, Father. Oh, yeah. Come and consume, God. Oh, we give you permission. Our hearts are yours. We want you. Oh, we want you. Come and consume, God. Oh, we give you permission. Our hearts are yours. We want you. Lord, we want you. Oh, come and consume, God. Oh, we give you permission. Our hearts are yours. We want you. Oh, we want you. We love you. And we'll never stop We can't live without you Jesus, we love you Oh, we can't get enough Hope this is for you Jesus yeah. We love you, Lord my Lord, we love you, and we'll never stop. We can't live without you, 
Jesus, we love you. We can't get enough, and all this is for you. And all this is for you. All this is for you. All this is for you, Lord. And all this is for you. It all belongs to 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 you. Jesus, it all belongs to you. It all belongs to you. It all belongs to you. And you alone deserve my worship. You alone deserve my praise. You alone deserve my worship. Oh, you alone deserve my praise. You alone deserve my worship. Oh, you alone deserve my praise. You long deserve my praise King of glory who compares to you You are worthy of my offering And every ounce of worship I will pour at your feet Oh, let's sing that again. Oh, King of glory, who compares to you? You are worthy of my offering. And every ounce of worship I will pour at your feet. You alone deserve my worship. You alone deserve my praise. You alone deserve my worship. You alone deserve my praise. You alone deserve. My worship, you alone deserve my praise. You alone deserve my worship. 
For you alone deserve my praise It all belongs to you 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 It all belongs to Jesus It all belongs to you 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 You alone deserve my worship You alone deserve my praise You alone deserve my worship. You alone deserve my praise. You alone deserve my worship. You alone deserve my praise. You alone. Deserve my worship. You alone deserve my praise. Yeah. His name is Jesus, ruler of 
everything And his name is Jesus He's the ruler of everything And his name is Jesus He's the ruler of everything And his name is Jesus Ruler of everything He reigns He reigns He reigns Forever He reigns He reigns He reigns Forever He reigns He reigns His name is Jesus, ruler of everything. His name is Jesus, ruler of everything. His name is Jesus, ruler of everything. You believe that this morning? His name is Jesus, ruler of everything. He reigns, He reigns, He reigns forever. He reigns, He reigns, He reigns forever. He reigns, He reigns, He reigns forever. His name is Jesus, ruler of everything. Cause his name is Jesus, ruler of everything. Oh, his name is Jesus, ruler of everything. And he reigns, he reigns, he reigns forever. He reigns, he reigns, he reigns forever. He reigns, He reigns, He reigns forever. His name is Jesus, ruler of everything. Cause His name is Jesus, ruler of everything. His name is Jesus, ruler of everything. And His name is Jesus. Ruler of everything His name is Jesus Ruler of everything His name is Jesus Ruler of everything Right now, right where you at Just worship the King Just worship the King, for He is worthy of your praise. Oh, yeah. In your own words, just worship Him. Because He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He reigns over everything. No matter what you're going through in your life, He reigns over everything. His name is Jesus, ruler of everything. Father, you're... 
my Lord, my Savior, my King, my Ruler, my Redeemer, my Healer, my Provider, my Deliverer. Oh, in the name of Jesus is above all names. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He's been exalted. And Father, we lift up our voices and exalt you're worthy of everything. You're worthy of everything. All of me, Lord. You're worthy of everything. All of me. You're worthy of everything. Yeah. He reigns. He reigns. He reigns. Forever he reigns, he reigns, he reigns forever. His name is Jesus, ruler of everything. His name is Jesus, ruler of everything.
for Lord God Almighty reigns and hallelujah hallelujah for the Lord God Almighty reigns Hallelujah, oh, holy, holy, are you Lord God Almighty, worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb, you are holy. Holy are you Lord God Almighty Worthy is the Lamb Worthy is the Lamb You are holy Thank you Father You are holy Lord
sits on the throne 
and I surrender all of me, Lord. It all belongs, but all belongs to you, Lord. Every part of my life, every hope, every dream, it all belongs to you. And I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all. There's a verse of scripture that's been coming to mind as we've been singing these last several songs and worship to the Lord and it's from the book of Revelation chapter 5 and John is sitting or standing and watching and it says and he saw the right hand of one sitting on the throne a scroll written on the inside and on the back sealed with seven seals and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals and no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was opened opened it able to open the scroll or to look into it and i began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it i want to stop there for a second it may seem strange that john would write this but you have to remember, he saw the resurrected Jesus. And he saw him and say, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. And now here he is standing before the throne of God. And there's a scroll to be opened. And he looks and no one is able to open it. And he begins to weep. Because that which he, he believed in and the one he had faith in suddenly his faith was challenged for just a moment because he's weeping because no one's able to open it and he's 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 not weeping because the scroll can't be opened but he's weeping because he he's been following all these years the one who said all authority had been given to him and it, he begins to weep over that like i've come to the end of my life I know what I believe, but here I'm seeing this. What's happening? And he begins to weep. And then it goes on and says this. He says, Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, is conquered so that he can open the scroll and his seven seals. He says, And then I saw between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders a lamb standing as if it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth and he went and took the scroll from the right hand of the one who was seated on the throne and when he had taken the scroll the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the lamb and they sang a new song and it says, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. For you 
were slain, and by your blood you ransomed for God saints from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be king, a kingdom and priests serving our God, and they will reign on earth. And I can see John going, Amen, Hallelujah. I know what I have known all this time. And I just felt early in the worship time, I felt that there were some here today, you've been facing some things that have been staring you down. And men up here, you're saying, I know God's in control. I know he's in control. In fact, last Sunday, I said it several times. God is in control. And yet, this week, you've been pummeled by things that have come against you and come against you and come against you. And you're here today, but God wants to reaffirm that same message to you. He's the ruler. He's the king. He's the one who can open the scroll. He is in control. He's over all things. And so if you, you may have come in here this morning, and you may have come in a little bit downcast, a little bit beaten down, a little bit shaken, whatever you may want to call it, okay? Let's be honest. Can you raise your hand if that's you this morning? Hold it up high. Hold it up high. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but there, look, church, look around you right now. There's a number of people with their hands raised. This is God. God wants to meet you right now, right where you're at. And I want the church to pray for you. I want the church. We're here to reaffirm to you what God's Word already says. He's the ruler of everything. He's in control. He rules over your situation. He knows He is the answer to your situation, to your circumstance. He is in control. Nothing's changed. He didn't wake up today and go, uh-oh. In fact, he didn't wake up. He's been in control the whole time, my friends. And we're going to pray for you right now. And if that was you, raise your hand again. And I want the church to look around. If you know that how God can answer prayer, I want you to look around and find someone with their hand raised. And you may not know them, but go and lay hands on them right now. Just let, or stretch your hand towards them right, right now. Hold your hand up high so we know who you are. We want to pray for you right now. We want to pray for you right now. I don't want anyone to be left out. Stretch your hands towards them right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that you're in control. Justin, can you play that song again about he's the ruler of everything? He reigns forever. Because he reigns, he reigns, he reigns forever. His name is Jesus, the ruler of everything. 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 Come on, church. He reigns, he reigns, he reigns forever. He reigns, he reigns, he reigns. He's in control. Oh, he reigns, he reigns, he reigns forever. His name is Jesus. 
Jesus, ruler of everything. His name is Jesus, ruler of everything. I want to say something about that word, that sentence right there. Ruler of everything. That does not mean ruler within a certain area that's designated for him. It says everything. Everything. It encompasses everything. There's no limit. There's no boundary. There's, no, there's none. He's the ruler over everything, my friend. Not just, you know, listen, we have people, they may rule over a parish or a county or a state or a nation. He rules over everything. There's no boundaries. There's no boundaries. Let's sing that one part again. He reigns. He reigns forever. He reigns. He reigns. He reigns forever. He reigns. He reigns. He reigns forever. His name is Jesus, ruler of everything. Thank you, Lord. His name is Jesus, ruler of everything. His name is Jesus, ruler of everything. And he reigns, he reigns, he reigns forever. He reigns, he reigns, he reigns forever. His name is Jesus. He's the ruler of everything. Come on, everything. Say everything. His everything name, Jesus, ruler of everything. And his name is Jesus, ruler of everything. Now give him praise. Come on. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God, we rest in that. We rest in that, Lord. We rest in that. What a joy it is to be able to rest in knowing that God, our God, is the ruler of everything. He's in control. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. You could turn to a neighbor and just say hello, good morning, whatever. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. We're so glad to see you this morning. On the sound booth. <laughs> Amen. I didn't see you the other day to tell you. Uh, or didn't remember. I don't know which one. <laughs> Praise God. Well, so glad to see you this morning. Oh, man. I'm, I'm just excited about what God is doing. Um, I need to make a couple quick announcements. Then we're going to have, a, this is our Mission Sunday. We have the first Sunday of the month is an emphasis on missions. And every, every month we try and have a different focus, uh, a different area, a different ministry or whatever. And so we're about to do that in just, just a moment. But I need to make two quick announcements. One is that the uh, worship team 
meeting. And anyone who's interested in being a part of the worship team, whether they're singing, musician, whatever, we'll meet Pastor Justin in the tween room. And if you don't know where that's at, it's, it's down the hallway past the restrooms, and it's that first room right there, okay? After service, not now. Uh, after service, meet with him there. And then uh, in the room right across the lobby, uh, in the prayer room, uh, anyone who is interested in leading or just hosting a small group, um, please meet with me right after service over there so that we can um, answer any questions you have, make a few statements to you, and kind of give you a schedule of what we're looking at concerning that, okay? And then one last announcement, and then we're going to make a presentation to you for our, our monthly missions focus this month. Um, this Wednesday night, say this Wednesday, okay, there will not be any services here at Life Church, okay? It's not because of an outbreak or pandemic or anything like that. Um, we're doing a few updates in the ladies' bathroom. And which has been needed for years. I've been begging to get it done for years for the ladies to make a choice. And so we just, uh, myself and my daughter and uh, my son-in-law, we, we made a choice. And uh, we're doing what we can at this time. So uh, Monday's Labor Day. And the funny thing is the laborers won't come work Monday. And so, um, so it's kind of pushing our schedule uh, uh, we're trying to get it done because in the following week, at the, the 14th, 15th, and 16th, our church is hosting a statewide, uh, district-wide um, leadership conference on youth and children's ministries here at the state. So we're trying to get that done in time. And, and uh, so no service went this coming Wednesday. Say no service this Wednesday. Look at your neighbor and tell them because they're not listening, you know. Yeah. And... Um, and we'll get, we'll get what we can do and get it done by next Sunday, okay? So let's go ahead and make this presentation, and then Pastor Tracy's coming to speak to us. The saddest day of a girl's life to be born in this community because she is destined to be a prostitute, no matter what. They'll do everything they can so that she's healthy to be a prostitute when she's 11 or 12 years old. They don't have a voice at all. Uh, they say, this is your life. This is what you have to do. Your grandmother did it, your mother did it, and now you have to do the same thing. So for years, what we try to do is first build that trust. And most of our staff members that are from these villages were actually in these villages from this community. That's when they share, I have something new and there's this God. It's not this God who is beating you down and telling you to prostitute your child. It's not this God who's telling you money is everything. And there is this one true God who is, who is going to help you, who's going to redeem your life. You're going to be a different person. I 
I think that the most amazing part is where the kids come to us because we get to watch them grow, we get to nurture them, shelter them, give them good food, and when they're ready to step out into the world is when we have our reintegration program and they could go work or go to college. And once they're earning, they bring their parents and their families and take care of them. Your goal is to break the cycle of prostitution first. You've got to raise leaders within themselves from that community. And so they can become the voice for their own people. When we first walked into these villages, it was so dark. Now there's, there's that candle, there's that hope that's burning and it's getting brighter and it's brighter. No one believed that this community could do anything else but prostitute their women and children. Today, they're driving rickshaws. Today, they're farming. They're doing other things. Their kids are getting a good education. God has spoken to us. They're going to be the strength of the nation one day. Not just the weak one, but they're going to be the strength of the nation. Good morning. Um, hopefully by now we all are aware in America and around the world that trafficking and exploitation is a real thing. And I think with the movie that just came out, I think more people might be aware. Um, but I think for a long time this has been going on and we kind of just stick our head in the sand. Like if we pretend like we don't know about it, it's not happening. But the sad truth is it is happening. And I believe that God has called the church to be the one to do something about it, you know? And as I was thinking about that this week, I thought about that song. Um, I forgot to look it up who sings it. I think it might be Matthew S., but it says something like, um, all these things are going on. God, why don't you do something about it? And then it says, God says, I did, I made you. And so that's our part. Our part is to step in and partner with um, people like Project Rescue and missionaries who are actually in these dark places, making a difference, pulling boys, girls, women out of these places of slavery teaching them that there's another way and then teaching them about Christ so that they can have a hope that they can go back into their communities and share the hope of Jesus. And so for this year, um, our boys and girls have been giving to Project Rescue. Now, side note, every year, our boys and girls pick one missionary to give to all year long. I have not shown this video to your kids, don't worry, <laughs> okay? There is a kid-friendly video that just talks about kids and uh, people being in slavery and how we can help set them free, and that's what I've been presenting to them. And the kids have been moved by it. I don't know if you've seen out in the foyer the display we have, but as of to date, from kids alone and a couple of local businesses that I was able to get to partner with us this year, we've raised almost $3,000 already this year for Project Rescue. It's amazing. I just got finished telling the kids upstairs, and they were a lot more excited than you. I'm just saying. They were like screaming and hooping and hollering. $3,000 for children is a lot, guys. And so I told them, and now I'm going to tell you, I said, guess what? I'm going downstairs, and I'm going to ask the adults to help you reach your goal. And they got super excited. So I'm telling you, the ball is in your court. We're asking you this month to partner with Project Rescue and help rescue people from trafficking. And so we've made it real easy for you. We have that wall of envelopes out there. I'm asking everybody in this room if you would consider taking one envelope. Maybe you'll take two or three. And whatever is on that envelope, that's the amount that you will give. If it says $1, 
give $1. If it says $77, give $77. And every dime that you give is going to go directly to Project Rescue. So you can give. That envelope is actually an offering envelope on the back. It has a place where you can put your information and you can drop it in the box in the back. Or you can give online through all of our online giving. Just choose BGMC. That stands for Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge because this is a challenge that we have put to our boys and girls to raise money for Project Rescue. But now the challenge has been given to you. Will you partner with us and will you help us rescue those who are crying out for help? So thank you. I hope that you will participate and we will make a big difference in Project Rescue this year. Amen. So when you leave outside... Uh, the, the doors, you'll see that cross with the envelopes on there and hope that you'll take one, at least take one. And, um, or, or if you want to do it online, we do have off, um, giving online. Uh, we have the offering boxes in the back, obviously. And now you may be, say, I want to give to missions, but ne not necessarily Project Rescue. That's fine, too. On our regular envelopes, there's a place that says missions. But... Uh, um, this is a great cause. It's a great cause. And uh, if you take a moment to fill that out, um, drop it in the box, or do it online. If you do it online in the app, um, there's a place in there. It defaults to uh, tithes and offerings, but there's a drop-down arrow in the app. And it, there's a list of other things. There's benevolence. There's missions. There's other things on there. And there's one that says BGMC, Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge. So you can just click it there. And if you put, you don't have to put a note or anything. If it says BGMC, that money's going to go to the project. Um, um, rescue. Thank you. Thank you for rescuing me. Uh, um, and so uh, you may not be aware of that, um, but there is on our app, there is a, there is a drop-down arrow there, and you can, you can designate the different gifts. Like when I do my tithes and offerings, I put it in, and I always give to missions every month, and I do that. I add it to that, and I do it online. But you can do it any way that you want, and, and uh, I hope in the next couple of weeks that all those envelopes are gone and that they're filled and you, they're dropped or, or whatever, or you do it online, either way. It's a worthy, worthy cause. So thank you very much. In fact, let's just take a minute right now to pray for our missionaries, all our missionaries, all the mission projects that are going on around the world, and ask God to just empower them with the resources of heaven. Father, we just pray right now, and we thank you for the privilege of partnering you created us, you created the church, and said, go into all the world with the good news. This is another area of sending the good news into a place filled with darkness, lives and families filled with darkness. How horrible it would be to be living knowing that at some point you're going to sell your child into prostitution. God, break that cycle. Break the cycle with the light of your truth and empower those who are bringing that word to the people in those villages. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
I want to read from Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. This is the second week of a series that we started last week called Looking Back to the Future. Jesus is speaking and he says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappears. Not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. And this week's message is looking back to the future. It's a, it sounds strange, but we're looking back at what God gave in the Old Testament, which gives us a revelation of that which is coming in the future. And the message today is on the Feast of Trumpets. Next week, I'll be teaching in correlation with this, a side message along with this that deals with what I call the the wedding paradigm uh, the, the, uh, of, that Jesus gave in Scripture for the church to understand its position and the things that are coming in the future. He's preparing a place for us. How many of you know Jesus said, I've gone to prepare a place for you? Well, what's he doing up there? You know, like, what's taking so long, right? Well, he's, he, he's, he's got everything under control. He's working those things out, and we're going we're gonna to look at that next week. But I brought up this point last week, and I said, how many of you think it would be important to know in advance if you have an appointment with someone? Like, I got an email Friday afternoon, late Friday afternoon from my doctor saying I have an appointment Tuesday. It's not on my calendar. I don't know why it's on their calendar. I have one for, like, January, but they sent me one saying I have one for Tuesday. So now I've got to get a hold of them, and I realize they're going to be closed Monday, so I'm going to get a hold of them early Monday morning and find out what that appointment is, because I didn't know I had an appointment. And how many of you know nowadays, if you don't show up at a doctor's office and you have an appointment, they charge you. Yes, they love to do that. Money for nothing, right? That's what I'm I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that, but it's true. <laughs> they're, getting, they're getting money for doing nothing. Um, I mentioned last week that the church must understand that we have a calendar, but God also has a calendar. In Leviticus chapter 23, verse 1 and 2, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The feast of the Lord, the feast is the focus word there, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. And I'm just going to refresh you about this, unless you weren't here or maybe you've forgotten. Uh, the, word, the Hebrew word that's used there for feast is the word moed, and it means appointment, okay? In Genesis 1.14, it says, Then God said, Let there be light and uh, the lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. So the word feast means an appointment, the Hebrew word for seasons is the same word. It's, it's moed. So he says, the, the light in the heavens to divide the night and the day, he said they're for signs and seasons. And the word seasons means appointment. It's the same exact word. And then it says for signs and seasons. Well, we think we know what seasons means, but we now learn that the word seasons in Hebrew means an appointment, a divine appointment. And the word signs in the Hebrew means a signal. 
And so remember the story of the Magi who came from the east. And they came to uh, Jerusalem and they said, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his sign in the heavens. They understood that God created the heavens. And this is not astrology or, or anything like that at all. God just saying, God put on the day when Christ was born, a star led them, the, the, the Magi, to the place. God put a signal in the heaven that something was up, okay? Well, in today's world, you may not know this, but Muslims live by a lunar calendar which defines months. In the Western world, we live by a solar calendar which defines years. Uh, the Jews live by a lunar and solar calendar, and I mentioned it last week that they have a religious calendar and they have a civil calendar or secular calendar. The month of Nisan, which is usually around April, is the beginning of the religious year. And the, the month of Tishri, which begins this year on September 15th, is the beginning of the civil Jewish year. So imagine having two calendars. If you can't juggle one, imagine having two. It would be like if you lived on, uh, I mentioned it last week, that uh, if you lived uh, on, like near the border of a time zone and you lived in one town, and in fact, uh, I was in a church one time years ago up in Indiana, and if you don't know what part of Indiana split by a time zone there, and um, the church was on one side, but most of the people worked on the other side. And so you'd have to have two clocks in your house or walk, walk around with two watches, you know, because you live by one and you work by the other. And, and so we, we live by what's known as the Gregorian calendar. I'm not trying to get real historical on you about this, but that's what it's known as. And it was put together by Pope Gregory, and it was tweaked for the new year. That's why we have 365 and a quarter days a year. But we don't do the quarter, but until once a year, every four years, and then we add an extra day. Before that time, it was the Julian calendar. It was that Julius Caesar around 70 B.C. But the, the, those calendars are associated with Rome. They're associated with paganism. But the Jewish calendar is, is about God and his timing and his feast that's going on. And the other thing is, we pointed out last week, that the scripture says, and if you'll see where I have it underlined, he says, declare these feasts of the Lord. Feasts are of the Lord. When we think of feasts, we think of festivals, and they're for us, good time. Feasts are appointments for the Lord, not for us per se, but towards the Lord. He says, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. And, and we pointed out the fact that we don't use that word convocation very much. I mean, how many of you have said convocation in the last 10 years? You know, probably no one. Well, the word convocation in Hebrew is, it means a, like a dress rehearsal. How many of you have ever been a part of a concert or a play or something where they had rehearsals, okay? 
um, uh, we, the lit crew, they rehearse almost every Sunday after service upstairs with the puppets and everything else and preparing for the next week's whatever's going on, right? They rehearse that. And so what we find is that these Jewish feasts that are on the calendar were rehearsals for the real event. In other words, they were dress rehearsals for a real event that was going to take place. For example, I said last week, for 1,500 years, that's a long time, 1,500 years, the Jewish people killed a Passover lamb in the month of Nisan on the 14th day. Why? Because 1,500 years later, after the law was given by God to Moses, the Passover lamb that would take away the sins of the world would die on Nisan 14. And so we pointed out the fact that last week that there are seven feasts. There are four of them in the springtime, and there are three of them in the fall. And I'm focusing on these that are taking place in the fall since it's about to to roll over. The Jewish year is about to roll over. We're in the year 5783. It's about to become 5784 on September 15th. I'll talk more about that in a minute. But the three feasts that are in the fall is the Feast of Trumpets and then the Day of Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles. And I want you to notice something. It's always in that order. Why? Because repentance always comes before redemption, and then redemption leads to rejoicing. Okay? It, it, you can't do it backwards. And so the Feast of Trumpets is about repentance. Let me go back to that previous screen. It's about repentance. It is a call to repent. It's a call to the remind the people that there's a day of atonement coming, that there's sins, there's examine themselves, that they're fast, they're to call upon God. So it's a feast of trumpets, and we're going to explain that to you more in just a little bit. But that leads to the day of atonement. Atoning means, deals with redemption, the blood. And then that leads to the feast of tabernacles, which is a time of rejoicing. So we're, we're dealing about the, the feast of trumpets, okay? Uh, it's also known in Hebrew as Yom Teruah. Uh, this year begins on the evening of September 15th, and it ends on the evening of September 17th. Two days, and I'll explain that in a while. But it starts at sunset. If you know anything about the Jewish day, it always begins at 6 p.m. And so it goes, this, this, this holiday, this feast, is, is, will go for two days. In Leviticus 23, verse 23 and 24, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. So there's that word again, convocation, okay? And so he, he's, he's telling him that you're going to have this Dress rehearsal, if I can put it that way. He says, but it's on the seventh month, in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you're going to have a Sabbath rest. Well, I thought the Jews had a Sabbath every week. But this is a different Sabbath, okay? It is, it, here's what happens. It, it's a really interesting thing. Um, 
The word there, it says, it's a memorial of blowing of trumpets. The word, the Hebrew word for memorial that is used there means to mark or so as to be recognized, to be mindful, to, be, to make to be remembered a memento, okay? So it's a convocation or dress rehearsal to remember something. And so what is done on the Feast of Trumpets? Well, most of us probably don't know. But on the Feast of Trumpets, the Jewish people read the story of Abraham, him binding Isaac to the altar to be sacrificed. And Abraham had declared that the Lord would provide the sacrifice. If you remember the story, if you don't, you can go back and read it. But his son goes, we're, we've got the fire, we've got the wood, we've got everything, but where is the sacrifice? And Abraham says, God will provide. And so ultimately, he, the Bible says that he took his only son and puts him on the altar, and he's about to kill his son, sacrifice his son to God, because God said, do it. And he suddenly hears God's voice and says, stop, Abraham. Now I know that you will do what I've asked you to do. And, and it wasn't that God didn't know. It was just that he was like, you've proved it yourself to yourself that you're going to follow me. And he looks and he sees, suddenly he sees a ram that's caught in a thicket bush. And God, uh, Abraham takes the ram and puts it on the altar and sacrifices it to God. And, and the Jews blow the ram's horn on the, on the Feast of Trumpets to remind them of God and his mercy. How many of you are thankful for God's mercy? Amen? I mean, come on now. I mean, I, I, it is said that when the shofar is blown on this day, this is what the Jewish people believe, the religious Jews, that God moves from the seat of judgment to the seat of mercy. Isn't that a beautiful picture? The blowing of the shofar is to remind the Jews of God's mercy. And in it, and, and I'm going to propose to you that it's in the same way that when Christians shout a sound, when they shout a, a, a sound of praise, when they lift up their voice in praise and worship, it should remind us also of God's mercy. Because without God's mercy, we would not be here. We would not be singing songs. We would not be giving God praise. So the next time you come together and you say, well, I don't know what this is all about. It's about the mercy of God. Make a joyful sound unto the Lord because of his mercy. In Numbers 29 and 1, it says, And in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a holy convocation, and you shall do no customary work. For you, it is a day of blowing the trumpets. Now the phrase there of blowing, in, in the Hebrew, it means an acclamation of joy, a battle cry, a blowing an alarm, a rejoicing, a shouting. So it can be a number of things, but on this day, he tells them in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you're going to have this, this feast, this, this appointment with me, this dress rehearsal of a day of shouting. And you're going to do that by the blowing of 
the ram's horn. You're going to be doing it at the blowing of the trumpet sound, okay? In Joshua chapter 6, verse 5, the word teruah is found twice. And listen to this. Each time, it is referred to the shouting in unison of the Israelites that brought the wall down of Jericho. Did you pick that up? That each time that that word is used in Joshua 6 and 5, it means it has to do not with the trumpets that sounded that brought the walls down. It was the unison of the people that were told, give God a shout, lift up a shout to God. And when the people joined together in the shout, the walls of their enemy came down. Did, did anybody pick that up? I mean, how many of you got a wall that needs to come down right now? How many of you got a wall that need, you need God to just bring to the ground? Can I tell you how it could be done? The people of God in unison stand and give a shout unto God. Oh, some of you just got to think about it. Just understand it wasn't the blowing of the ram's horn that brought Jericho's walls down. It was the shout of the people. It was the shout. And this past week, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He says, I'm about to, I'm about to release a sound in my church. I'm about to release a sound, and it's a sound from heaven. It's a sound. It's a different sound. Can I tell you, the church has been sounding a wrong sound for too long. We've been trying to make ourselves sound like the world, look like the world, and, and attract the world. You don't attract the world out there with the same sound that they can get in the local bar or on the local street corner or whatever. There needs to be a different shout in the church, a different sound coming from the church, and it needs to be the sound of God's people praising him and worshiping him. When I was a teenager, we used to, back in long time ago, when I had hair days, <laughs> you know, long hair days, <laughs> and uh, we used to have what was called a coffee house. Not like we got coffee houses here. Back in that day, it was like a flop house almost. It was like an open place where on Saturday night or Friday night, downtown, we, we had a place and we'd have music play, playing and black lights and black light posters, but they were all Christian. They were not satanic. And there were Christians down there just fellowshipping in the Lord. We didn't have coffee. I don't know why they call them coffee houses. It, I think it went back to the beatnik days, way back in the 50s and early 60s, you know, and, the, and they would just hang out, you know. But, and, and, um, but we'd have that music playing, the early Jesus music, you know. And, and we had a place downtown. I mean, that building should have been condemned, the one we were in. But it, it, it was like heaven on earth to, to some of us. And every Saturday night, we'd go down to the coffee house, and people would be walking by on the streets. And you know what? They'd come in. You know why they came in? First of all, they're interested. What in the world's going on in this old dilapidated building? But they heard the sound. And they heard the sound of people loving Jesus and shouting and singing the songs. And they'd hear guitars playing, tambourines going. And they'd just come inside. What's going on in here? Oh, man. That was just like fresh meat. You know, we were like... 
Come on in. Let us tell you about Jesus. I'm just telling you that sound. God is about to release a fresh new sound in his church. Maybe not you. I guess that you have to decide for yourself. You want to be a part of that sound. The Feast of Trumpets in the Old Testament is associated with a number of different events. And I'm just going to show you, just for sake of letting you know, it's associated with several events. One of them is called the time of Jacob's trouble, which in the New Testament we would called the Great Tribulation. The second one's the Day of the Awakening Blast, which I, I refer to the rapture of the church. The third one is known as the Day of Judgment, the opening of the books or the opening of the gates. In the New Testament, that would be the Great White Throne Judgment. Uh, one of them is known as the Hidden Day, and, and that was where the scripture talks about the Lord shall come like a thief in the night. Another one is called the wedding day. It is known as the wedding day of the Messiah and, and, and the wedding of his bride, the church. It's also known as the coronation, the crowning of the Messiah. All of this is, is known to religious Jews and they associate the Feast of Trumpets with these things. But I just want to look very quickly at two to three of these things because I actually took out pages and pages of information because we could do three weeks on this alone. But I, the first one is the time of Jacob's trouble. And that is, is in the New Testament would be known from the book of Revelation as the great tribulation. And, and the key we need to understand is there's about four reasons for the great tribulation. But the major reason of the great tribulation period that is, is, that is still a future event that's not as far away as people think it is, and, and that is to bring Israel back to God. There's three other smaller reasons, uh, but this is the main one, to turn the heart and the people of Israel back to God. In Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16 and 18, it says this, This is what the Lord says, Stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths, that is God's law, including the feasts. Uh, ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But you said we will not walk in it. He said, God says, I appointed watchmen over you and li said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, we will not listen. In other words, we will not heed to it. We will not hearken to that sound. In verse 18, he says, therefore, hear, O nations, observe, O witnesses, what will happen to them. And then in verses 23 through 24, and in, in, in Jeremiah chapter 30, verses 4 through 7, Isaiah 66, verse 7 through 8, I could put all those together and you would see that, that God describes, because Israel refused to hear the blast of the trumpet and be brought into remembrance that which God has done for them, we read, uh, written for us, the description of the travails of Israel during this future event. That's why it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. The Feast of Trumpets also is on the day of the new moon. This is just a side note, but it, it, it's tied to it. Um, and, and it is 
how can I put it? It's associated with darkness, destruction, and warning. You know, the new moon, there's no light in the sky. You know, the, the moon's darkened on, on the night of the new moon. It's gone. And, and so it's associated with darkness or warning. The light is gone. How many of you know the light is disappearing in our nation? The light is disappearing around the world. And the light is disappearing because the church has allowed the darkness to creep in. And look, darkness cannot overtake light. The only reason for darkness is the absence of light. That's another message in itself. But in the book of the prophet Joel, chapter 2, verse 1, look what it says. Blow the trumpet in Zion... And sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is at hand. Too many Christians um, put the spin on the day of the Lord as being the rapture or the second coming of Christ. The day of the Lord is always associated with judgment. It's associated with Destruction is associated with God's judgment upon the earth. Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 14 and 6 through 16, it says, The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. There the mighty men shall cry out. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness a day of gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of a trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities and against the high towers. Malachi chapter 4 verse 5 says, Behold, I will send to you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now just those verses alone, can you see that the day of the Lord is not a happy day? It is a day of judgment. It is a day of God coming to judge what is taking place on the earth. And he talks about, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of that great and dreadful day. Well, I know that Jesus talked about John the Baptist had the spirit of Elijah upon him. And a lot of people assume that that's what he's speaking. But it, this says he will send Elijah uh, before that great and dreadful day. I believe Honestly, it's the spirit of Elijah that will come upon the two witnesses that we see in the book of Revelation for three and a half years of that horrible period of time of judgment. They will stand in Jerusalem preaching the truth against those who do not want to hear the truth and, 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 and no one can touch them. The Bible says that they try and harm them, they're, they're, they're killed. And, and it's only after three and a half years, once they complete their assignment, that they're able to be killed. And they're left in the street for three and a half days. And people around the world send presents to one another because the, those two prophets who have been preaching judgment are finally gone. But after three and a half days, the breath of God enters them and they're resurrected to life again. And all the world sees it. When I was a young teenager coming to Christ, I'm thinking, how could all the world see it? Well, we have the technology today. It's in your pocket. It's sitting on the seat next to you, right? Come on now. And I mean, so, I mean, it's there. 
And I thought, well, how would they send presents to one another? Man, we got apps where you can send money and presents and gifts and everything. Boom, boom, done. You got it? A friend of mine needed to send me some money, and I said, just mail me a check. He goes, no, you got this app? I said, no. He said, get it. Three, three minutes later, there was $100 in my account. I said, now it's there. How do I get it? <laughs> you know, I had to figure out how to get it in my bank account. You know, but I mean, it was done. And now, we, here it is. We have it. And he said, behold, I'm going to send these two witnesses. Why did God designate the Feast of Trumpets to fall on the day of the new moon? How many of you know God doesn't do anything by accident? It's because this was to be confirmed by two witnesses. In the, in the law, it says there must be two witnesses to confirm that this first day of this month could be spoken to all of the nation of Israel. So that God appointed that there be two witnesses to begin to spread the word that this was the month of Tishri that was the beginning of the new year. Two witnesses? Why two days? Because they didn't have text messaging or phones. They had to go from town to town to town, village to village to village. They had to go throughout the land and spread the word. And so God gave them two days. What's interesting is this is the only feast, the only convocation, the only meeting that God describes that the people of Israel are to do that begins on the first day of the month. It's the only one. All the other feast days, go back and read them in the Old Testament, they are determined by counting from the first of each month on the seventh day of the seventh month. Well, you can't have a seventh month till you have the first month. And you can't have a seventh day till you have the first day. And so God has appointed this day, and the Jews know it, the religious Jews know it, as what it has become known as the long day, because it covers a span of two days to get the word out. And that no one, because no one can know what exactly the hour of that day is, because the word has to be spread throughout the land. Are you, is this ringing any bells? <laughs> okay. The third aspect of the Feast of Trumpets is in its relationship to the church, okay? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning with verse 4. Well, he says, I, I put up the two witnesses already. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 4, it says, But concerning the times and seasons, the word seasons is epoch, it, and, and it means events of, of the time. We think of seasons as like fall, winter, spring, summer. That's not what the word seasons means. It means of the times and events. That's what Paul is saying. Brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. Why? Why does he say that? You don't need to know this. Why? Because they understood the feast of the Lord. They understood these holy convocations, these feasts, these dates that were set aside to meet with God. They understood that. He says, I don't need to write to you concerning these things. You already understand that. But then he goes on in verse 2 and he says, For you, for you yourselves know, 
perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Now, what's interesting to me is, is a, how many of you ladies have had, had a child, and you've carried that child? You, how many of you knew every day when you woke up you were carrying a child? But then when the labor pains start, you go, oh, like you're surprised, right? I mean, like you go to the doctor and he goes, not yet or it could be any day now or whatever, right? I mean, you know it's going to happen, but then when it begins to happen, everybody's surprised. Now? Really? Now? Well, you've been waiting for it, right? That's what he says here. He says, he says, for you know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes like a thief in the night. And when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction come upon, comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. Brethren, he's writing to believers. He's saying, you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. There's two points that I want you to see there. They understand the meaning of the Feast of Trumpets. Okay? And that they are listening for a different sound. Now, I know that may seem strange, but let's look what Paul wrote again to the church in Thessalonica. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16 and 17, it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. So you notice it says that he's going to descend with a shout. The Lord's going to descend with a shout. And then it says, and with the shout or voice of an archangel, what is that about? It's a military thing. It's like uh, if you've ever seen any... Uh, uh, military movies or shows or anything like that. I was raised in a military family. When the, when the military, the head gives a command, the, the executive to him issues that command to everybody else. He repeats it. And so he, that's what he's saying here, that God is going, Jesus is going to descend with a shout and then with the voice of an archangel repeating it. He's telling the angels, it's time. And it says, and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus shall we be always with the Lord. Okay. On the Feast of Trumpets, there's a lot of things that go on. I already told you, they read the story of Abraham. It's an all-day thing that goes on there, okay? But here's something you need to understand. And that is, make sure the sound's on there, Justin. <laughs> and um, uh, that on the Feast of Trumpets, there are three different trumpet blasts. There's actually four different trumpet blasts that sound. I'm going to tell you what they are, then I'm going to let you hear, the, hear them. Uh, there's what's known as the tekiah, and it's a long, short blast, okay? Um, then there's the shevarim, which is like three short blasts. And then there's the teruah, which is nine quick blasts in short succession. 
And these blasts are on a shofar, a ram's horn, and they're blown in a series. In other words, they're blown in a series of nine blasts and all, and this goes on 11 times throughout the Feast of Trumpets, okay? So you've got three different trumpet blasts. There's, they have do nine of them 11 times, and in between each time there's reading of Scripture, there's prayers, there's all kinds of other things that go on. And, uh, but they are distinct and they are different. And I want you to hear those first three blasts. Okay, here we go. Now these 99 blasts are done throughout the Feast of Trumpets. And they're spaced according to time, according to the ceremony, the, all of that. At the end of the Feast of Trumpets, at the end of these 99 blasts, there's one more blast on the ram's horn. And it's known as the Tekiah Godola. And is, it's known as the last trump because it is the last of the hundred trumps blasted on the Feast of Trumpets. So there's been 99. Now there's one distinct one that's different, and it's called the last trump. This is what it's known as, and this is what it sounds like. I get goosebumps every time I hear it. <laughs> in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51 through 52, Paul says to the church, Behold, I tell you a mystery. A mystery is something that is not known, but a biblical a mystery in the Bible is something that was a foreshadow in the, in the Old Testament that is revealed and made clear in the New Testament in the light of Christ. For example, if you go back and look at all the sacrifices and everything that God demanded of the Jews, in the book of Hebrews it says none of them could cleanse away the sin. They could only cover it. But Christ became the Passover lamb. He came in flesh and he was the perfect sacrifice. What they did in the Old Testament was just a dress rehearsal of that which was going to happen at a future time, and Christ fulfilled that on the cross. But so Paul is saying, behold, I tell you, or show you, reveal to you a mystery. Why was it a mystery? Because in the Old Testament, it's, it's hidden in the Feast of Trumpets. They do it, but there's a part of it they don't understand. But now, in the light of Christ and his resurrection, he's saying, I'm going to reveal something to you. I'm going to show you something. And he goes on and says, we shall not all sleep. In other words, we shall not all die, but shall, we all shall be changed. 
And verse 52 says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And I've heard preachers say that's like in the blink of an eye. No, it's faster than that. The word there literally is the word that we get the word atom. It's, it, it's in the uh, atomic nanosecond, if I could put it that way. It's so quick, you wouldn't even know. That, in other words, you wouldn't even have time to blink. It's going to take. He says, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. I want you to see something. The dead will be raised incorruptible. And then it says, and we shall be changed. It, it, it's, it's, an, it's an amazing thing there, but he understands what's going on. He's saying that in the moment of the sound of the last trumpet sound, a different sound, it's not all the other sounds that you've heard, it's a unique sound that's held for this one feast day, this one moment to let everybody know that the culmination of the feast is happening. Paul is saying to the believers, I'm going to reveal a mystery that Jesus Christ himself will descend from the heavens and there will be the trump of God. Now, I know there are many in Bible prophecy who teach that the last trumpet is the last of the seven trumpets that are in the book of Revelation. The problem with that was that Paul was writing to an audience and they understood what he meant. He's, he's clarifying for them so that they can understand. The book of Revelation wouldn't be written for another 25, 30 years. So they couldn't know that, oh, he's referring to the last of the seven trumpets that John saw. No, he's, he's revealing to them something that they understood. He says, I don't need to write to you about the days and the seasons. You already understand it. The events of God. He said, for at the last trumpet, there is going to be something that takes place. He said, we will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. The rapture of the church, the catching away of the church, his bride. And we'll talk about that next week, the bride of Christ. What does it mean? And God, Jesus revealed it all in the wedding, the Jewish wedding paradise. He, he reveals every step of it, every meaning of it. And when we read it, if you understand it, all of a sudden you look around at the world and the world may be spinning out of, on its axis and you think they're going crazy. No, my friends, I'm telling you, the world's being set up for the most glorious Thing that's about to happen Jesus is coming for his church now some people will say well you, you're just one of those get out of jail free kind of people I, listen I already got out of jail the day I got saved, I gave my life to Christ. The Bible says I was transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his eternal son. I'm already out of jail. I believe in the rapture of the church. But that doesn't mean there won't be difficult times ahead. That doesn't mean that we won't have suffering or issues that are there. But I'm saying there's a moment on God's timeline, on God's calendar, there's going to be a trumpet sound. And you might sit out there and say, well, I don't believe that. Well, you just stay put. When that trumpet sounds, you just stay here, and I'm going on to be with the Lord. 
He says, I'm revealing to you a mystery. I'm closing this up. The mystery to me, really, is that the church today doesn't understand what God has clearly spelled out in his word. The mystery is that the church as a whole today is dead, lukewarm, or sleeping, and doesn't care about that trumpet that is sounding a warning of his soon return. The Feast of Trumpets leads up to, the, it's to remind the people of God's mercy. It's to remind them that there's a day of atonement. There's a day of reckoning. There's a day of answering before God. And the trumpet is sounding, but the church is sound asleep. They don't hear it. They just think, oh, oh I'm under grace. And I'm all fine. I can do whatever I want. I, you know, God's not going to look at me. He doesn't expect anything of me. The mystery is that the world is desperately in need of a Savior, but doesn't know that there is one. The mystery is that the world doesn't know that the Savior of the world is coming again soon. But this time, he's not coming as a baby and a manger, un, unaware, un, un, unassuming, no one knows of it. He's coming, and the Bible says it's the righteous judge of the earth. That the, the sky will roll back like a scroll, and every eye shall see him. They will cry out for the rocks to fall on them and hide them from the face of the one who is on the throne. The mystery to me is that the church that should be looking for his soon return has decided that he isn't coming back and they're living just like the rest of the world is. What is not a mystery is that when the trumpet sounds, many Christians will find themselves left behind. My mentor, who's gone to be with the Lord, would tell me over and over, he would tell his, past, his congregation over and over. He said, I'm telling you from the minute the trumpet sounds and the rapture takes place within 24 hours, every house, every church, every church building will be filled with people wanting to know what happened. He said, and God helped the minister or the pastor of that church who's still there. Because they'll say, why didn't you tell us? And why didn't you lead us in the truth? See, the Jewish feasts are God's proclamation to us of the events that are coming very soon. That's why I felt like that since it's about to happen, that we understand these last feast days and what they mean. And what the prophetic significance of these feasts are and what they mean to us as the church. Because see, they're God's wake-up call. The feasts are God's wake-up call. They're God's mercy call. They're God's demonstration of loving kindness. They're God's way of calling everyone to repentance and to experience true love and really know what real acceptance is. So let me close by asking you this morning, that trumpet, and man, I started to have it set to blow your drums off. <laughs> that last trump. But I didn't want to have to call 911 for somebody having a heart attack. You know, but I started to, I wanted it so badly, man. 
I didn't ask my wife because I knew she'd say, no, don't do that, don't do that. But if the trumpet were to sound right now, would you be delighted or would you be filled with dread? There's no gray area. You're either ready and looking and listening or you've covered your eyes and you've covered your ears and you pretend that you don't know. God's answer is simply repent. Repent does not mean be sorry. That's remorse. Repent is to have a change of thinking that brings about a change of lifestyle, change of action. The change of thinking is not you thinking good over bad. It's to bring your thinking into alignment with what God's Word says. God's Word says we've all fallen short of the glory and the standards of God. But God so loved the world that he desired that none should perish, but whosoever would believe in his son Jesus, that they should not die, but have eternal life. It's a matter of surrendering your life, surrendering it. You don't get to surrender with, with options. You know, I'll surrender, but in this area, I want to stay in control. No such thing. You surrender your life to Christ and to the teaching of his word and follow him so you repent you call out to him now and you begin to follow him today and the Bible says if you will do that in that moment God will wash away your sins not cover them but wash them blot them out gone forever and your life will begin fresh and new in Jesus Christ so I want us to pray right now I want you to forget about the person you're sitting with or came with or whatever this is you and God right now you and God if that trumpet were to sound Right now, would you be delighted or filled with dread? If it's filled with dread and you're ready to give your life to Christ, you're really ready to totally surrender, not partial surrender, totally surrender. And you want someone to pray with you, I will pray with you. I'm going to ask you to do something very bold. And that is just to stand right where you're at. I'm not going to embarrass you or anything else. I just want to know, is there anyone who wants to surrender their life to Christ this morning? I'll pray with you. I'll lead you in a prayer to surrender your life to God. That's where it starts. I surrender all. God said, if you're not willing to lay down your cross, your agendas, your ideals, all those things, and pick up my cross and follow me, he said, you can have no part in me. So 
Is there anyone at all here today? Maybe you're, you're watching by way of the internet and you're saying, I want to surrender my life to Christ. Then I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. Mean it from your heart. And let God begin the work that only He can do. Dear God in heaven, I recognize this morning that I am a sinner. I have fallen short of your standards and my sins condemn me this day. I want to be saved. I want to be changed. I want you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I surrender all. Every part of me, every aspect of my life, every goal and dream I give to you this day. For I know that you have something even more glorious waiting for me. I ask it in your name. Come, Jesus, into my life. Amen. And I pray now, Holy Spirit, anyone who's prayed, anyone who's genuinely surrendered their life to you, that Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would go and take up residence within them and just bear witness within them, within them that they, there's been change. They may not understand all the wherefores and therefores and everything else, but their life is changed because Christ died and paid the price for the penalty of their sins before a holy and righteous God. And because of His resurrection and because He's been raised unto newness of life, we now stand born again by the Spirit of the living God. And I thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we just stand together if you're able to stand? Could we just stand together for a moment? And can we make a joyful sound to the Lord, thanking Him for His mercy, thanking Him for His mercy. God, we praise you. We praise you, Lord. We lift up a holy shout. A holy shout, Lord God. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Thank you, Father. We praise you for mercy. We praise you for grace. We thank you, Lord. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Holy, holy, worthy, glorious are you, O oh God. We lift up a shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, glory. Hallelujah. Jesus set me free. I like that. I like that old song. Glory. Hallelujah. Jesus set me free. Amen. 
Father, I pray blessing over each and every one in this place. And let them walk out of here with the joy of the Lord, the anticipation of that trumpet sound. But God, at the same time, knowing there's somebody out there that they know that, that they need to hear the good news that Jesus Christ paid the price for their sins. And if they would accept him into their life, surrender their life, they too shall go when the trumpet sound comes. I send them out now in the mission field. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Don't forget anybody interested in the worship team, meet in the tween room right down the hall. Anybody interested in hosting a home group or leading one, meet with me right across the hallway.